Act Three of Cymbeline by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cymbeline by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One. Britain, a hall in Cymbeline's palace. Enter in state, Cymbeline, Queen, Cloten and lords at one door, and at another, Caius Lucius and attendants. Now say, what would Augustus Caesar with us? When Julius Caesar, whose remembrance yet lives in men's eyes, and will to ears and tongues be theme in hearing ever, was in this Britain, and conquered it, Cassibelin, thine uncle, famous in Caesar's praises, no whit less than in his feats deserving it, for him and his succession granted Rome a tribute, yearly three thousand pounds, which by thee lately is left untendered. And, to kill the marvel, shall be so ever. There be many Caesars, ere such another Julius. Britain is a world by itself, and we will nothing pay for wearing our own noses. That opportunity which then they had to take from's, to resume we have again. Remember, sir, my liege, the kings your ancestors, together with the natural bravery of your isle, which stands as Neptune's park, ribbed and paled in with rocks unscalable and roaring waters, with sands that will not bear your enemy's boats but suck them up to the topmast. A kind of conquest Caesar made here, but made not here his brag of came and saw and overcame. With shame, that first that ever touched him, he was carried from off our coast twice beaten, and his shipping, poor ignorant baubles, upon our terrible seas, like eggshells moved upon their surges, cracked as easily against our rocks. For joy whereof, the famed Cassibelan, who was once at point, O Giglo Fortune, to master Caesar's sword, made Lud's town with rejoicing fires bright, and Britain's strut with courage. Come, there's no more tribute to be paid. Our kingdom is stronger than it was at that time. And, as I said, there is no more such Caesars. Other of them may have such crooked noses, but to owe such straight arms, none. Son, let your mother end. We have yet many among us can gripe as hard as Cassibelin. I, I do not say I am one, but I have a hand. Why tribute? Why should we pay tribute? If Caesar could hide the sun from us with a blanket or put the moon in his pocket, we will pay him tribute for light. Else, sir, no more tribute, pray you now. You must know, till the injurious Romans did extort this tribute from us, we were free. Caesar's ambition, which swelled so much that it did almost stretch the sides of the world, against all color here did put the yoke upon us, which to shake off becomes a warlike people whom we reckon ourselves to be. With lords. We do. Say then to Caesar, our ancestor was that Mulmutius which ordained our laws, whose use the sword of Caesar hath too much mangled, whose repair and franchise shall, by the power we hold, be our good deed, though Rome be therefore angry. Mulmutius made our laws, who was the first of Britain which did put his brows within a golden crown and called himself a king. I am sorry, Cymbeline, that I am to pronounce Augustus Caesar, 
Caesar, that hath more kings his servants than thyself domestic officers, thine enemy. Receive it from me, then. War and confusion in Caesar's name pronounce I against thee. Look for fury not to be resisted. Thus defied, I thank thee for myself. Thou art welcome, Caius. Thy Caesar knighted me. My youth I spent much under him. Of him I gathered honour, which he to seek of me again perforce behoves me keep at utterance. I am perfect that the Pannonians and Dalmatians for their liberties are now in arms, a precedent which not to read would show the Britons cold. So Caesar shall not find them. Let proof speak. His majesty bids you welcome. Make pastime with us a day or two or longer. If you seek us afterwards in other terms, you shall find us in our salt-water girdle. If you beat us out of it, it is yours. If you fall in the adventure, our crows shall fare the better for you. And there's an end. So, sir. I know your master's pleasure, and he mine. All the remain is welcome. Exeunt. Scene two. Another room in the palace. Enter Pisanio with a letter. How? Of adultery? Wherefore write you not what monsters her accuser? Leonatus, O master, what a strange infection is fallen into thy ear! What false Italian, as poison-tongued as handed, hath prevailed on thy too-ready hearing? Disloyal? No, she's punished for her truth, and undergoes more goddess-like than wife-like, such assaults as would take in some virtue. O oh, my master, thy mind to her is now as low as were thy fortunes. How, that I should murder her? Upon the love and truth and vows which I have made to thy command. I, her? Her blood? If it be so, to do good service, never let me be counted serviceable. How look I that I should seem to lack humanity so much as this fact comes to? Reading. Do it. The letter that I have sent her, by her own command, shall give the opportunity. O oh, damned paper! Black as the ink that's on thee, senseless bauble! Art thou a fiodery for this act, and look'st so virgin-like without? Lo, here she comes. I am ignorant in what I am commanded. Enter Imogen. How now, Pisanio? Madam, here is a letter from my lord. Who? Thy lord! That is my lord, Leonatus! Oh, learned indeed were that astronomer that knew the stars as I his characters! He'd lay the future open! You good gods, let what is here contained relish of love, of my lord's health, of his content, yet not that we two are asunder. Let that grieve him. Some griefs are medicinable, that is one of them, for it doth physic love. Of his content, all but in that. Oh, good wax thy leave! Blessed be you bees that make these locks of counsel. Lovers and men in dangerous bonds pray not alike, Though forfeiters you cast in prison, yet you clasp young Cupid's tables. Oh, good news, gods! Reads. Justice, and your father's wrath, should he take me in his dominion, could not be so cruel to me as you, oh, the dearest of creatures, would even renew me with your eyes. Take notice that I am in Cambria, at Milford Haven, 
what your own love will out of this advice you follow. So he wishes you all happiness that remains loyal to his vow, and your increasing in love, Leonatus Posthumus. Oh, for a horse with wings! Hearest thou, Pisanio? He is at Milford Haven. Read, and tell me how far tis thither. If one of mean affairs may plod it in a week, why may not I glide thither in a day? Then, true Pisanio, who longst like me to see thy lord, who longst, let me bait, but not like me, yet longst but in a fainter kind, oh, not like me, for mine's beyond, beyond, say and speak thick, love's counsellor should fill the bores of hearing to the smothering of the sense, how far it is to this same blessed Milford! And by the way, tell me how Wales was made so happy as to inherit such a haven. But first of all, how we may steal from hence, and for the gap that we shall make in time, from our hence-going and our return to excuse. But first, how get hence? Why should excuse be born or e'er begot? We'll talk of that hereafter. Prithee speak. How many score of miles may we well ride twixt hour and hour? One score twixt son and son, madam's enough for you. Aside. And too much, too. Why, one that rode to his execution, man, could never go so slow. I have heard of riding wagers, where horses have been nimbler than the sands that run in the clock's behalf. But this is foolery. Go bid my woman feign a sickness, say she'll home to her father, and provide me presently a riding-suit, no costlier than would fit a Franklin's housewife. Madam, your best consider. I see before me, man, nor here, nor here, nor what ensues, but have a fog in them that I cannot look through. Away, I prithee, do as I bid thee. There's no more to say. Accessible is none but Milford way. Exeunt. Scene three. Wales, a mountainous country with a cave. Enter from the cave, Belarius, Gildarius, and Arviragus following. A goodly day not to keep house for such whose roofs as low as ours. Stoop, boys, this gate instructs you how to adore the heavens, and bows you to a morning's holy office. The gates of monarchs are arched so high that giants may jet through and keep their impious turbans on without good morning to the sun. Hail, thou fair heaven, we house in the rock, yet use thee not so hardly as prouder livers do. Hail heaven. Hail heaven. Now for our mountain sport, up to yond hill. Your legs are young, I'll tread these flats. Consider, when you above perceive me like a crow, that it is place which lessens and sets off, and you may then revolve what tales I have told you of courts, of princes, of the tricks in war. This service is not service, being so done, but being so allowed. To apprehend thus draws us a profit from all things we see, and often, to our comfort, shall we find the sharded beetle in a safer hold than is the full-winged eagle. Oh, this life is nobler than attending for a check, richer than doing nothing for a bauble, prouder than rustling in unpaid-for silk. Such gain the cup of him that makes him fine, he keeps his book uncrossed. No life to ours. Out of your proof you speak. We, poor unfledged, have never winged from view of the nest, 
nor know not what airs from home. Happily, this life is best, if quiet life be best, sweeter to you that have a sharper known, well corresponding with your stiff age. But unto us it is a cell of ignorance, travelling a bed, a prison for a debtor, that not dares to stride a limit. What should he speak of when we are old as you? When we shall hear the rain and wind beat dark December, How in this our pitching cave shall we discourse the freezing hours away? We have seen nothing, we are beastly, subtle as the fox for prey, Like who alike as the wolf for what we eat. Our valour is to chase what flies. Our cage we make a choir, as doth the present bard and sing our bondage freely. How you speak! Did you but know the city's usuries, and felt them knowingly? The art of the court is hard to leave as keep, whose top to climb is certain falling, or so slippery that the fear's as bad as falling. The toil of the war, a pain that only seems to seek out danger in the name of fame and honour, which dies in the search and hath as oft a slanderous epitaph as record of fair act. Nay, many times doth ill deserve by doing well. What's worse, must curtsy of the censure. O oh, boys, this story the world may read in me. My body's marked with Roman swords, and my report was once first with the best of note. Cymbeline loved me, and when a soldier was the theme, my name was not far off. Then was I as a tree whose boughs did bend with fruit, but in one night a storm or robbery, call it what you will, shook down my mellow hangings, nay, my leaves, and left me bare to weather. Uncertain favour. My fault being nothing, as I have told you oft, but that two villains, whose false oaths prevailed before my perfect honour, Swore to Cymbeline I was confederate with the Romans. So followed my banishment, and this twenty years this rock and these demeans have been my world. Where I have lived at honest freedom, paid more pious debts to heaven than in all the end of my time. But up to the mountains, this is not Hunter's language. He that strikes the venison first shall be lord of the feast. To him the other two shall minister and we will fear no poison which attends in place of great estate. I'll meet you in the valleys. Exeunt Gildarius and Averigus. How hard it is to hide the sparks of nature. These boys know little they are soons to the king, nor Cymbeline dreams that they are alive. They think they are mine, although trained up thus meanly in the cave wherein they bow, their thoughts do hit the roofs of palaces. And nature prompts them in simple and low things to prince it much beyond the trick of others. This Polydor, the heir of Cymbeline and Britain, who the king his father called Guderius, Jove, when on my three-foot stool I sit and tell the warlike feats I have done, his spirits fly out into my story, say, Thus my enemy fell, and thus I set my foot on's neck. Even then the princely blood flows in his cheek, he sweats, strains his young nerves and puts himself in posture that acts my words the younger brother cadwal once aviragus as in as like a figure 
strikes life into my speech and shows much more his own conceiving hark the game is rosed o cymbeline heaven and my conscience knows thou didst unjustly banish me whereon at three and two years old i stole these babes thinking to bar thee of succession as thou reft'st me of my lands euryphile thou wast their nurse they took thee for their mother and every day do honour to her grave myself bellarius that a morgan called they take for natural father the game is up exit scene four country near milford haven enter pisanio and imogen thou toldst me when we came from horse the place was near at hand ne'er longed my mother so to see me first as i have now pisanio man where is posthumus what is in thy mind that makes thee stare thus wherefore breaks that sigh from the inward of thee one but painted thus would be interpreted a thing perplexed beyond self-explication put thyself into a haviour of less fear ere wildness vanquish my staider senses what's the matter why tenderest thou that paper to me with a look untender if it be summer news smile to it before if winterly thou needst but keep that countenance still my husband's hand that drug-damned italy hath outcraftied him and he's at some hard point speak man thy tongue may take off some extremity which to read would be even mortal to me please you read and you shall find me wretched man a thing the most disdained of fortune reads thy mistress pisanio hath played the strumpet in my bed the testimonies whereof lie bleeding in me i speak not out of weak surmises but from proof as strong as my grief and as certain as i expect my revenge that part thou pisanio must act for me if my faith be not tainted with the breach of hers let thine own hands take away her life i shall give the opportunity at milford haven she hath my letter for the purpose where if thou fear to strike and to make me certain it is done thou art the pander to her dishonour and equally to me disloyal what shall i need to draw my sword the paper hath cut her throat already no tis slander whose edge is sharper than the sword whose tongue outvenoms all the worms of nile whose breath rides on the posting winds and doth belie all corners of the world kings queens and states maids matrons nay the secrets of the grave this viperous slander enters what cheer madam false to his bed oh, what is it to be false to lie and watch there and to think on him to weep twixt clock and clock if sleep charge nature to break it with a fearful dream of him and cry myself awake that's false to his bed is it alas good lady ay false thy conscience witness iachimo thou didst accuse him of incontinency then thou look'st like a villain now methinks thy favour's good enough some jay of italy whose mother was her painting hath betrayed him poor am i stale a garment out of fashion and for i am richer than to hang by the walls i must be ripped to pieces with me 
Oh, men's vows are women's traitors! All good seeming by thy revoked, O husband, shall be thought put on for villainy, not born where it grows, but worn a bait for ladies. Good madam, hear me. True, honest men, being heard, like false Aeneas, were in his time thought false, and Sinon's weeping did scandal many a holy tear, took pity from most true wretchedness. So thou, posthumous, wilt lay the leaven on all proper men. Goodly and gallant shall be false and perjured from thy great fall. Come, fellow, be thou honest, do thou thy master's bidding. When thou seest him, a little witness my obedience. Look, I draw the sword myself. Take it, and hit the innocent mansion of my love, my heart. Fear not, tis empty of all things but grief. Thy master is not there who was indeed the riches of it. Do his bidding! Strike! Thou mayst be valiant in a better cause, but now thou seem'st a coward. Hence, vile instrument, thou shalt not damn my hand. Why, I must die, and if I do not by thy hand, thou art no servant of thy master's. Against self-slaughter there is a prohibition so divine that cravens my weak hand. Come, here's my heart. Something's afore it. Soft, soft, well, no defence, obedient as the scabbard. What is here? The scriptures of the loyal Leonatus all turned to heresy. Away! Away, corruptors of my faith! You shall no more be stomachers to my heart. Thus may poor fools believe false teachers. Though those that are betrayed do feel the treason sharply, yet the traitor stands in worse case of woe. And thou, posthumous, thou that didst set up my disobedience gainst the king my father, and make me put into contempt the suits of princely fellows, shalt hereafter find it is no act of common passage, but a strain of rareness. And I grieve myself to think, when thou shalt be disedged by her that now thou tirest on, how thy memory will then be panged by me. Prithee, dispatch. The lamb entreats the butcher. Where's thy knife? Thou art too slow to do thy master's bidding, when I desire it too. O oh, gracious lady, since I received command to do this business, I have not slept one wink. Do it, and to bed, then. I'll wake mine eyeballs blind first. Wherefore, then, didst undertake it? Why hast thou abused so many miles with a pretense? This place, mine action and thine own, our horse's labour, the time inviting thee, the perturbed court for my being absent, whereunto I never purpose return. Why hast thou gone so far to be unbent when thou hast ta'en thy stand, the elected dear before thee? But to win time to lose so bad employment, in the which I have considered of a course. Good lady, hear me with patience. Talk thy tongue weary. Speak, I have heard I am a strumpet, and mine ear therein false struck can take no greater wound, nor tent to bottom that. But speak. Then, madam, I thought you would not back again. Most like, bringing me here to kill me. Not so, neither. But if I were as wise as honest, then my purpose would prove well. It cannot be but that my master is abused, some villain, ay, and singular in his art, hath done you both this cursed injury. Some Roman courtesan? No, on my life. 
I'll give but notice you are dead, and send him some bloody sign of it, for tis commanded I should do so. You shall be missed at court, and that will well confirm it. Why, good fellow, what shall I do the while? Where bide? How live? Or in my life what comfort when I am dead to my husband? If you'll back to the court. No court, no father, nor no more ado with that harsh, noble, simple nothing, that cloten, whose love-suit hath been to me as fearful as a siege. If not at court, then not in Britain must you abide. Where, then? Hath Britain all the sun that shines? Day, night, are they not but in Britain? In the world's volume our Britain seems as of it, but not in it. In a great pool a swan's nest. Prithee, think there's livers out of Britain. I am most glad you think of other places. The ambassador, Lucius the Roman, comes to Milfordhaven to-morrow. Now, if you could wear a mind dark as your fortune is, and but disguise that which, to appear itself, must not yet be but by self-danger, you should tread a course pretty and full of view, yea, haply, near the residence of Posthumus, so nigh, at least, that though his actions were not visible, yet report should render him hourly to your ear as truly as he moves. Oh, for such means, though peril to my modesty, not death on't I would adventure. Well, then, here's the point. You must forget to be a woman, change command into obedience, fear and niceness, the handmaids of all women, or, more truly, woman its pretty self, into a waggish courage, ready in jibes, quick-answered, saucy, and as querulous as the weasel. Nay, you must forget that rarest treasure of your cheek, exposing it, but, oh, the harder heart! Alack, no remedy! To the greedy touch of common-kissing titan, and forget your laboursome and dainty trims, wherein you made great Juno angry. Nay, be brief. I see into thy end, and am almost a man already. First, make yourself but like one. For thinking this I have already fit. Tis in my cloak-bag. Doublet, hat, hose, all that answer to them. Would you in their serving, and with that imitation you can borrow from youth of such a season. For noble Lucius, present yourself, desire his service, tell him wherein you're happy, which you'll make him know, if that his head have ear in music. Doubtless with joy he will embrace you, for he's honourable, and doubling that, most holy. Your means abroad you have me, rich, and I will never fail, beginning nor supplement. Thou art all the comfort the gods will diet me with. Prithee, away, there's more to be considered, but will even all that good time will give us. This attempt I am soldier to, and will abide it with a prince's courage. Away, I prithee. Well, madam, we must take a short farewell, lest, being missed, I be suspected of your carriage from the court. My noble mistress, here is a box. I had it from the queen. What's in it is precious. If you are sick at sea, or stomach qualmed at land, a dram of this will drive away distemper. To some shade, and fit you to your manhood. May the gods direct you to the best. Amen. I thank thee. Exeunt severally. Scene 5. A room in Cymbeline's palace. Enter Cymbeline, Queen, Cloten, Lucius, Lords and attendants. Thus far, and so farewell. 
Thanks, royal sir. My emperor hath wrote, I must from hence, and am right sorry that I must report ye my master's enemy. Our subjects, sir, will not endure his yoke, and for ourself to show less sovereignty than they must needs appear unkinglike. So, sir, I desire of you a conduct overland to Milford Haven. Madam, all joy befall your grace. And you. My lords, you are appointed for that office, the due of honour in no point omit. So farewell, noble Lucius. Your hand, my lord. Receive it friendly. But from this time forth I wear it as your enemy. Sir, the event is yet to name the winner. Fare you well. Leave not the worthy Lucius, good my lords, till he have crossed the Severn. Happiness. Exeunt Lucius and Lords. He goes hence frowning, but it honours us that we have given him cause. Tis all the better your valiant Britons have their wishes in it. Lucius hath wrote already to the Emperor how it goes here. It fits us therefore ripely our chariots and our horsemen be in readiness. The powers that he already hath in Gallia will soon be drawn to head, from whence he moves his war for Britain. Tis not sleepy business, but must be looked to speedily and strongly. Our expectation that it would be thus hath made us forward. But, my gentle queen, where is our daughter? She hath not appeared before the Roman, nor to us hath tendered the duty of the day. She looks us like a thing more made of malice than of duty. We have noted it. Call her before us, for we have been too slight in sufferance. Exit an attendant. Royal sir, since the exile of Posthumus, most retired hath her life been. The cure whereof, my lord, tis time must do. Beseech your majesty, forbear sharp speeches to her. She's a lady so tender of rebukes that words are strokes, and strokes death to her. Re-enter, attendant. Where is she, sir? How can her contempt be answered? Please you, sir, her chambers are all locked, and there is no answer that will be given to the loudest noise we make. My lord, when last I went to visit her, she prayed me to excuse her keeping close, whereto constrained by her infirmity, she should that duty leave unpaid to you which daily she was bound to proffer. This she wished me to make known, but our great court made me to blame in memory. Her doors locked? Not seen of late? Grant heavens that which I fear prove false. Exit. Son, I say, follow the king. That man of hers, Pisanio, her old servant, I have not seen these two days. Go, look after. Exit Cloten. Pisanio, thou that stand'st so for posthumous, he hath a drug of mine. I pray his absence proceed by swallowing that, for he believes it is a thing most precious. But for her where is she gone? Haply despair hath seized her, or, winged with fervour of her love, she's flown to her desired posthumous. Gone she is, to death or to dishonour, and my end can make good use of either. She being down, I have the placing of the British crown. Re-enter, Colton. How now, my son? "'Tis certain she is fled. Go in and cheer the king. He rages. None dare come about him. Aside. All the better. May this night forestall him of the coming day. Exit. I love and hate her, for she's fair and royal, 
and that she hath all courtly parts more exquisite than lady ladies woman from every one the best she hath and she of all compounded outsells them all i love her therefore but disdaining me and throwing favours on the low posthumus slanders so her judgment that what's else rare is choked and in that point i will conclude to hate her nay indeed to be revenged upon her for when fools shall enter pisanio who is here what are you packing sirrah come hither ha you precious pander villain where is thy lady in a word or else thou art straightway with the fiends oh good my lord where is thy lady or by jupiter i will not ask again close villain i'll have this secret from thy heart or rip thy heart to find it is she with posthumus from those so many weights of baseness cannot a dram of worth be drawn alas my lord how can she be with him when was she missed he is in rome where is she sir come nearer no further halting satisfy me home what is become of her oh my all-worthy lord all-worthy villain discover where thy mistress is at once at the next word no more of worthy lord speak or thy silence on the instant is thy condemnation and thy death then sir this paper is the history of my knowledge touching her flight presenting a letter let's see it i will pursue her even to augustus throne aside or this or perish she's far enough and what he learns by this may prove his travel not her danger hum aside i'll write to my lord she's dead o imogen safe mayst thou wander safe return again sirrah is this letter true sir as i think it is posthumus hand i note sirrah if thou wouldst not be a villain but do me true service undergo those employments wherein i should have cause to use thee with a serious industry that is what villainy so e'er i bid thee do to perform it directly and truly i would think thee an honest man thou shouldst neither want my means for thy relief nor my voice for thy preferment well my good lord wilt thou serve me for since patiently and constantly thou hast stuck to the bare fortune of that beggar posthumus thou canst not in the course of gratitude but be a diligent follower of mine wilt thou serve me sir i will ah give me thy hand here's my purse hast any of thy late master's garments in thy possession i have my lord at my lodging the same suit he wore when he took leave of my lady and mistress the first service thou dost me fetch that suit hither let it be thy lint service go i shall my lord exit meet thee at milford haven i forgot to ask him one thing i'll remember it anon even there thou villain posthumous will i kill thee i would these garments were come she said upon a time the bitterness of it i now belch from my heart that she held the very garment of posthumus in more respect than my noble and natural person together with the adornment of my qualities with that suit upon my back will i ravish her first kill him and in her eyes there shall she see my valour 
which will then be a torment to her contempt. He on the ground, my speech of insultment ended on his dead body, and when my lust hath dined, which, as I say, to vex her I will execute in the clothes that she so praised, to the court I'll knock her back, foot her home again. She hath despised me rejoicingly, and I'll be merry in my revenge. Re-enter Pisanio with the clothes. Be those the garments? Aye, my noble lord. How long is't since she went to Milford Haven? She can scarce be there yet. Bring this apparel to my chamber. That is the second thing that I have commanded thee. The third is that thou wilt be a voluntary mute to my design. Be but duteous, and true preferment shall tender itself to thee. My revenge is now at Milford. Would I had wings to follow it. Come, and be true. Exit. Thou bidst me to my loss, for true to thee were to prove false, which I will never be, to him that is most true. To Milford go, and find not her whom thou pursuest. Flow, flow, you heavenly blessings on her. This fool's speed be crossed with slowness. Labor be his meed. Exit. Scene six. Wales. Before the cave of Valerius. Enter Imogen in boy's clothes. Oh, I see a man's life is a tedious one. I have tired myself, and for two nights together have made the ground my bed. I should be sick, but that my resolution helps me. Milford, when from the mountain-top Pisanio showed thee, thou wast within a ken. Oh, Jove, I think foundations fly the wretched, such, I mean, where they should be relieved. Two beggars told me I could not miss my way. Will poor folks lie that have afflictions on them, knowing tis a punishment or trial? Yes, no wonder when rich ones scarce tell true. To lapse in fullness is sorer than to lie for need, and falsehood is worse in kings than beggars. My dear Lord, thou art one of the false ones. Now I think on thee my hunger's gone, but even before I was at point to sink for food. But what is this? Here's a path to it. Tis some savage hold. I were best not to call. I dare not call. Yet famine, ere clean it o'erthrow nature, makes it valiant. Plenty and priest breeds cowards. Hardness ever of hardiness is mother. Ho! Who's here? If anything that's civil, speak. If savage, take or lend. Ho! No answer. Then I'll enter. Best draw my sword. And if mine enemy but fear the sword like me, he'll scarcely look on't. Oh, such a foe, good heavens! Exit to the cave. Enter Belarius, Gidarius, and Arviragus. You, Polydote, have proved best woodman and our master of the feast. Cadwell and I will play the cook and servant. Tis our match. The sweat of industry would dry and die, but for the end it works to. Come, our stomachs can make what's homely savoury. Weariness can snore upon the flint, while resty sloth finds the down pillow hard. Now peace be here, poor house that keeps thyself. I am thoroughly weary. I am weak with toil, yet strong in appetite. There is cold meat in the cave, 
we'll browse on that, whilst what we have killed be cooked. Looking into the cave. Stay, come not in, but that it is our victuals, I should think here were a fairy. What's the matter, sir? By Jupiter, an angel, or if not, an earthly paragon. Behold divineness, no elder than a boy. Re-enter Imogen. Good masters, harm me not. Before I entered here I called, and thought to have begged or bought what I have took. Good troth, I have stolen not, nor would not, though I had found gold strewed to the floor. Here's money for my meat. I would have left it on the board so soon as I had made my meal, and parted with prayers for the provider. Money? Youth? All gold and silver are returned to dart, as it is no better record but of those who worship dirty gods. I see you're angry. No, if you kill me for my fault, I should have died had I not made it. With a bound? To Milford Haven. What's your name? Fidele, sir. I have a kinsman who is bound for Italy. He embarked at Milford, to whom being going, almost spent with hunger, I am fallen in this offence. Prithee, fair youth, think us no churls, nor measure our good minds by this rude place we live in. Well encountered. Tis almost night. You shall have better cheer ere you depart. And thanks to stay and eat it. Boys, bid him welcome. Were you a woman, youth, I should woo hard but be your groom. In honesty, I bid for you as I'd buy. I'll make it my comfort. He is a man. I'll love him as my brother. And such a welcome as I'd give to him. After long absence, such is yours. Most welcome. Be sprightly, for you fall amongst the friends. Amongst friends, if brothers. Aside. Would it had been so, that they had been my father's sons. Then had my prize been less, and so more equal ballasting to thee, Posthumus. He rings at some distress. Would I could free it. Or I, whatever it be, what pain it cost, what danger. Gods. Hark, boys. Whispering. Great men, that had no court bigger than this cave, that did attend themselves, and had the virtue which their own conscience sealed them, laying by that nothing gift of differing multitudes, could not outpeer these twain. Pardon me, gods, I'd change my sex to be companion with them, since Leonatus is false. It shall be so. Boys, we'll go dress our hunt. Fair youth, come in. Discourse is heavy, fasting. When we have supped, we'll mannerly demand of thee thy story, so far as thou wilt speak it. Pray, draw near. Tonight to the owl, and morn to the lark, less welcome. Thanks, sir. I pray, draw near. Exeunt. Scene 7. Rome, a public place. Enter two senators and tribunes. This is the tenor of the Emperor's writ, that since the common men are now in action against the Pannonians and Dalmatians, and that the legions now in Gallia are full weak to undertake our wars against the fallen-off Britons, that we do incite the gentry to this business. He creates Lucius Preconsul, and to you, the tribunes, for this immediate levy, he commends his absolute commission. Long live Caesar! Is Lucius general of the forces? 
Aye. Remaining now in Gallia? With those legions which I have spoke of, whereunto your levy must be suppliant, the words of your commission will tie you to the numbers and the time of their dispatch. We will discharge our duty. Exeunt. End of Act 3